2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you're an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, and welcome to Building Foundation, Past, Present, and Future Contributions of African Americans in ACB. My name is Cheryl Cummings, and I'm the chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. I was born in Guyana, South America, and moved to the United States as a child. Today, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I run a small nonprofit. I'm also on the board of the Bay State Council of the Blind and chair of its membership committee and a member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. This month is Black History Month, and in thinking about how to place our conversation tonight in context, I want to share the opening lines of President Biden's proclamation celebration, celebrating and recognizing the, the um, Black History Month. So the lines begin, the opening lines say this. Each February, National Black History Month serves as both a celebration and a powerful reminder of Black history, that Powerful reminder that Black history is American history. Black culture is American culture. And Black stories are essential to the ongoing to the ongoing stories, sorry, to the ongoing story of America, our faults, our struggles, our progress, and our aspirations. To many of us this evening, that sentence seems so self-evident and doesn't need to be said. But the reality is that today in the United States, there are people who are challenging that concept. Tonight, we insist that it is true and that the first sentence Truth lies not only for America, but for ACB. Therefore, we invite you to join us and learn about the past contributions of African-American members, our present, and the future. This evening, I have the privilege of co-facilitating a well-needed conversation with the president of the Inclusive Diversity the president of Inclusive Diversity of California, Regina 
Maria Brink. Thank you. (laughs) We are very honored to be joined by four outstanding panelists. Um, I am going to um, introduce one panelist and then, uh, actually, I'm going to introduce one panelist and then I'm going to turn it over to Regina and she'll introduce another panelist herself and another panelist and we'll just sort of go back and forth like that. So um, the first panelist that I'd like to introduce to you is um, Reverend Michael Garrett. Uh, Michael Garrett lives in Missouri City, Texas and is a retired investment analyst who worked for J.P. Morgan Chase for 27 years. Michael has been a member of the American Council of the Blind for 30 years. He is a proud husband, father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. He's also a member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And I'm going to turn it over to my co-facilitator, Regina. Good evening, and thank you again, Cheryl. I have the pleasure of introducing Cache Wells, a native of Jacksonville, Florida. Cache has worked in the healthcare industry prior to losing her vision at the age of 30 because of macular degeneration. She is a mother of two and has one very cute grandson, who has advocated for 30 years for human rights issues that included blindness, cancer awareness, racial justice, domestic violence, and homelessness. She has partnered with many nonprofit organizations, such as the Urban League, the Children's Home Society, the American Cancer Society, and her local church, just to name a few. Cache is currently uh, the first vice president of Jacksonville Council of the Blind, a member at large of the California Council of the Blind, member of the Florida Council of the Blind Employment Committee, member of the Florida Council of the Blind Membership Committee, and on the board of directors of publications for the American Council of the Blind. Okay, take it away, Cheryl. Okay, our next panelist is Stephanie Watts. Uh, Stephanie joined the Capital Chapter of the California Council of the Blind in spring 2020 and has been actively involved in her chapter since then. Um, She's director uh, of the Capital Chapter. She's on uh, a board. Let me try that again. She's a di- she's director on the Capital Chapter Board and also on the board of CCB. Um, Stephanie, Stephanie also serves on various state affiliate and local chapters, chapter committees, including CCB Governmental Affairs uh, Committee, uh, Inclusive Diversity of California Membership Committee, the Legislation and Community Affairs Committee, and her local chapter's Assistive Technology Committee. 
Stephanie, Stephanie retired after 28 years working for the state of California as a vocational rehabilitation counselor, a government program analyst, and a senior transportation planner. Uh, outside of her volunteer work, Stephanie enjoys music, theater, and acting. Regina? Okay. And last but certainly not least, Pam Hill Metz actually listened to the I Have a Dream speech delivered by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on her TV at her home when she was just a small child. She lost her sight later in life while working as a nurse. She grew up in the 60s and has been a member of the American Council of the Blind for almost 20 years. She has served two terms on the California Council of the Blind Board of Directors and is currently active in her local chapter. The, she's the president of the California Library Users Association, vice president of Inclusive Diversity of California, and a current member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. She has been a mentor to me and many others, and I want to publicly thank her for that. <laughs> Wonderful. So welcome to our panelists, and we'll ask our panelists to unmute because we're now going to sort of go into the program. Um, so Regina, this is, this is you. Yes, and we want to know something about the history of ACB and definitely the contributions of African-Americans. And we've asked Michael to share that with us. Reverend Michael, can you, can you let us know? Just because there's some of us that really don't know anything about what happened before we got here. And I got here around 2018, so I have a lot to learn. <laughs> You really are a newbie, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for, for being here. And, and uh, as I put in, in the bio, I've been a member for ACB for about 30 years, rough, give or take a year or two. And uh, I was not a joiner back back then, but, but I kept being hounded by my local folks, and then I went to uh, a convention, and I've been hooked ever since. But when I got there, um, there I'll tell you about four ladies and a gentleman. This was, this was in the 90s. Um, I'll start with the guy first, and some of you still may, may know him. Uh, his name was Frank Sr., Frank very uh, is a very talented talented man uh back then uh when we went when we had when we had the 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 showcase you know there was a voice there that was just that stuck out above all others and I can remember in 1994 when when we were in Chicago going to the radio museum uh, this guy behind me was just back there singing and singing. I'm like, this guy sounds good, <laughs> but that was Frank. And but he he, we have a lot of talent in ACB, but to me, Frank is was 
one of the one of the real talents uh was was then and maintains his his ability to to really exhibit his soulful voice but then there were some ladies in that I think contributed quite a bit to a c b back when I got there now i don't know uh i don't know i i talked to Freddie Pico but i don't know her uh like some of some of the other other folks uh do but um there were a couple of ladies that uh, stood out uh one was uh, Cynthia Towers. Cynthia served as secretary of, of of ACB during that time, and she also was, I believe, she was the uh, tour coordinator. Uh, so, so she contributed quite a bit in, to the overall success of ACB during the nineties. Then there was this sharp, articulate. Outspoken, the inimitable Pam Shaw, who, who was very instrumental in in creating a lot of the things that that we ultimately uh, got to take part of. She was uh, she chaired the Multicultural Affairs Committee. She served as second vice president of of ACB, uh, in, in addition to a lot of other uh, volunteer posts that she held. And then there was another lady, and a, a lot of a lot of folks may not remember her, but uh, Sarita Kimball, who ultimately mm-hmm. became Sarita Kimball Holiday, uh, and mm-hmm. she is a very talented, talented lady also. And those were the, those were the people that kind of stood out to me back then. Uh, we used to. We come to convention, and a lot of t- cases, you know, in hotels, there there are no uh, uh, menus are pretty tight. But we'd always say, you know, we got to have some greens. That was Pam. That was Pam saying that we got to have some greens. So on Wednesday night, we would come together and find the soul food restaurant in any of the towns that we that we frequent frequented, and uh, you know we. We turned out the place in Chicago, but the fourth, the fourth uh, lady, who also I believe contributed quite a bit in to to ACB, although she never held a a board office, I believe she would she would have gotten on the board before I did, and that was my wife Carolyn. <laughs> uh, she became she was a part of the uh, the uh, Library Users of America board. She actually, uh, in 1996, uh, she, ACB used to take part in the advisory committee for NLS, and she represented ACB at, at that meeting. Uh, they have heard us talk about uh, uh, Kurt, uh, 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 Frank Kirk Silky, whatever his name was, I can't remember now, uh, but she she used to go to those meetings and uh she became uh a very strategic person in terms of bringing back the report telling uh, uh forming her her opinion of of what library services needed to be uh, so so those were some very instrumental and key people 
who contributed, I think, quite a bit in, during the 1990s. Thank you, Michael. Well, I next want to ask Pam the same question. What do you remember about the history of, of ACB and specifically African-Americans' contributions? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first off, first is California Library Users of America. Sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I do have four, three children and four grandchildren. Uh, have to put them in there, you know. Um, who I remember, because I joined in 2000, went to my first convention in 2006. I became a member of ACB in 2002. I joined the Greater Los Angeles chapter. And I went to my first convention in 2006. It was Kentucky, so I'm not quite, don't remember what year, but it was my first convention. We were in Louisville. One of the best cities. I love Louisville. It was a cute little city. But I met this couple, and I'm going to talk about three or, three, three or four people. First off, I did a, uh, 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 I talked about Freddie Pico, and she found, I did a thing about Freddie Pico, um, uh, an article about Freddie Pico, and she's an interesting lady. She's in D.C. She was, at that time, still involved with the Capitol, I don't know what they call it, the Capitol chapter in D.C., but... Um, the people I'm going to discuss is Michael and Peggy Garrett and um, Pam Shaw and Kat, what is, Simeon, what is his first name? Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth, oh God, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I am so sorry. Kenneth Simeon, I remember talking, to, I talked to him a few times when I was, um, filled out the application for the Morgan Chase. And I, the last time I talked to him, he told me, don't you ever give up. Black women are the backbone of this country. Don't you ever give up. Even if you never make it with Morgan Chase, don't you give up. And I remember that sometimes when I feel like walking away from things. I remember him saying that to me. A nice gentleman. He's now also on the board of ACB, and I, I was right here in California. You better vote for him. Mm -hmm. Um. Then Michael and Peggy Garrett. I met Michael when he was running for the board of ACB. And I remember him handing me his flyer in Braille, really. Um, and I said, well, and he introduced himself, and I said, nice to meet you. But I have to say, Michael and I uh, kind of sort of think of like I'm a preacher's kid. He's a preacher. And we come up with words, and he fixes it if I come up with a um, – definition for something we're doing with MCAC, he'll fix it, and but I'll come up with the words and Michael will fix it. We work well together. I've always enjoyed watching Michael maneuver himself around the board and other members of ACB. He's very good at it. He's very good at it. Um, he taught me a lot about patience. <laughs> um Peggy, Peggy, oh my God, Peggy pulled me back so many times. Now, Pam, calm down. We'll work it out this way. She did that so many times when I was ready to go, but we need to do blah, 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 blah. And she, no, Pam, we need to do it this way. Or one time we were discussing the different terms that people have, um, different words that people have used where 
African Americans are concerned in this country. There's certain terms like black or African American and things like that. And she said it's better than what they used to call us. And I thought about it for a long time. Um, I'm not one that likes the term African American because I have a cousin, her kids or her their dad is African. And so I consider myself African American, but I consider myself black. But when I thought about what Peggy said that time to me, I really hit home that regardless of how I feel about the term, that is the title. That is what who we are. We are African Americans. Um those those are some of the people that influenced me, and I have to say, one of the one of the people on this committee right now, Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl. I listened to Cheryl when she was works with Dale, and I'm like, well, who is that? I was asking my husband. He said Cheryl, and he said, well, I said I don't know who she is. I just asked you a question, and I met Cheryl. Cheryl introduced me to Caribbean food. And she said, go ahead, you'll like it. And I don't know, it's something weird. I don't know what it is. But I ate it and had a good time with Cheryl and her husband and other friends. But Cheryl always tells me, you can do it. Even if you think you can't, you can do it, Pam. Well, I just grumble and grumble and grumble. And I do it. And I, it turns out fine. I, Cheryl knows how I feel about reading Braille. By the time I read a Braille statement, you guys are halfway finished with the conversation. So she just lets me speak. But those are the people that Cheryl's been a great mentor. Peggy was awesome. Michael still is awesome when he, Pam, now calm down. Now, you know you're a PK's kid. Now, you you just need to calm down. And PK just means preacher's kid. Um, but I, I have enjoyed my 20 years, almost 20 years. December will be 20 years in ACB and CCB. And I can't believe it's been almost 20 years in ACB and CCB. But I have watched the African-Americans, and I have watched Cachet and Stephanie and Regina and Cheryl grow in this organization. And it's been wonderful watching and seeing. And I'm done. Thank you, Pam. And I just want to say that I really appreciate you and Michael sharing some of your experience with us. I want to move to the present. We don't want to spend a long time in the past. And I want to ask each panelist and you, if you could keep your comments to around two minutes. And I'll be checking the time. <laughs> so I will kind of tell you to wrap up if you run a little long. But what I'd like you to think about is, or answer for us, is where do you think the American Council of the Blind is now? in respect to the participation of African-Americans. And let's see, we've heard from Michael and Cashay, would you like to go first? Hello. Somehow I knew that was going to be. <laughs> okay. Um, where do I see ACB now? Um, First and foremost, I um, I can't recognize, I have to recognize that initially what I do see is that uh, ACB is growing. It is uh, making the steps to uh, allow for more opportunities um, 
for conversations and uh, starting the process to make us more open to being engaging to what really needs to happen. And for me, um, I recognize that I wasn't here in the past and I'm steadily trying to learn um, more and more about this organization and where our presence has been that has got us to this point. So for me, I do see right now a level of comfortability, meaning that I see that for the most part, we're comfortable where we are. We're comfortable uh, not having the conversations unless they're initiated. We're comfortable um, not taking forward progression steps unless we're pressed. And I, I, w- I would really hope that um, as a Black American that that is uh, a part of this community who is on a mission. And I know that my passion is to be able to, to, to serve in this community, to serve those who are like me, blind and visually impaired. I do hope that uh, we continue the conversations that we are more engaging, we're more open to mentoring, we're more open to seeing Black Americans in leadership, in leadership roles, in staff positions, um, to having the conversations where we're more engaged, to have more cultural programming, to have more conversations about the willingness to see that we don't have to know what a person goes to to have empathy or understand. Because if we're family, then we have to understand that um, as family, when one hurts, the other one hurts. You know, at the end of the day, when one wins, we're all winning if we're family. And I, I just really um, have a desire to see that uh, we truly transform to be that community who is open and welcoming to all persons. Because at the end of the day, we are on the same path dealing with issues of disability, dealing with issues that are um, pertinent to those who have vision loss. And there's so much more that we can, um, so much more that we can divert our attention to. And in a part of that, of diverting attention, I just, I just, I just really hope that we get to the place where we're not, we're no longer comfortable. And sometimes being uncomfortable helps you to have those conversations that need to be had, that helps you to have the dialogue. Thank you. Okay. I was just going to say time. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Cache. And Stephanie, we haven't heard from you, so let's go to you next. Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you all for inviting me to be a part of this panel. Um, As a fairly new member, I I guess I can't claim new anymore because I've been here since um, spring of 2020. But as a fairly new member of ACB, um, I've spent more of my time um, locally here. But of course, you know, I pay attention nationally as well. Uh, as a person who identifies herself as an African-American, um, oh, I'm sorry, a Black American of African descent, I would say that uh, I would categorize or clar- uh, classify us as overall in a good place, uh, recognizing that um, no organization is perfect. Um, 
it heartens me to see ACB striving toward making substantive change. And um, I pull out the code of conduct as an example of that. And in, um, in general, you all know it, but the idea of making a place welcoming, um, professional, safe, and respectful. Um, I, I bring that up as a kind of a backdrop to the idea of where, where does this organization have or how can um, Black Americans benefit? Um, it starts with creating a safe, welcoming, um, professional environment. Um, and so the code of conduct, in my opinion, got us started there. So I am seeing more opportunities for people to, to participate. Um, as a member-driven organization, I think we, uh, uh, all of us, um, have an opportunity to um, engage and um, have all of our voices heard, and that's very important. Um, again, um, thank you, Michael and Pam, for sharing the history and a couple of the names I recognized as you all spoke. Um, and it made me think, well, you know, we've, we've got some trailblazers on whose shoulders we can stand. And so I think um, all in all the news for African-Americans um, or black Americans of African descent or black people, however folks decide to describe themselves, I think that, the news is good. I think we we will grow as an organization um, as we um, make more, um, as leadership makes more opportunity uh, for our voices to be heard through our affiliates and committees um, like uh, Inclusive Diversity of California, of course, and the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And I know there are others, and forgive me, I don't all know all the names, but as we... Um, are afforded these opportunities, um, I believe we have a great opportunity to recruit and uh, retain uh, more Black Americans um, in the organization, uh, as well as other people of color, and as well as our allies who support us. Um, so again, thank you all, and um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, and I think we'll ask Pam, and then Michael, the same question. Where do you see, because all of our perspectives are going to be maybe a little different. Go ahead, Pam. Um, as, as I said and listened have, over the years, especially this last year, last two, three years, of what has happened in this country and in, and in this, even in ACB and how ACB has tried to have those uncomfortable conversations, as Cache has said. Um, I have seen some growth because we didn't, we never had a code of conduct before. Um, I, and, and I wish we had in 2007 when I was called the N-word. I wish we had some way to resolve that. Um, so we have grown in some ways. Um, I, would, I would love to see I would love to see more mentoring going on. I would love to see more people of color serving on the board, the board of directors and officers positions in public publications committee and other positions in, in um, office positions in ACB. 
And it will happen slowly but surely, and it is happening slowly but surely. But I like, me, I'm impatient. I like to see it happen a little faster. Um, People of color, African-Americans, Blacks, we have a lot to give and contribute, not only as Black, but as people with disabilities. Um, So I think think the growth is happening. One of the reasons why I was very gung-ho with IDC, Inclusive Diversity of California, was for the same reason. California is a multicultural, multiracial state. We are very, very diverse state. And I felt that we needed an affiliate of CCB to bring people of color together, whether they were people who are are black or white or whatever, to bring them together to work on the problems of diversity in the state of California. And that will roll over into ACB, that will roll over to MCAC. I have stayed on the MCAC because I believe what MCAC stands for and what we work for. And and that is to make sure that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is to, to make sure that people of color are seen in ACB and we are seen, people can see the work that we do as ACB, CCB, and other state members across the country. So I think we are headed in the right direction. And I believe in mentorship. I believe in teaching others who are coming up behind me. And I may not be a teacher, but I'm a teacher in my own right. If that makes sense, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. And last, uh, Reverend Michael, can you do two minutes? <laughs> now, you know you can't ask a preacher to do two minutes, but I'll try. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to keep something in in mind. Uh, first and foremost, you know, we get lost in all of our, 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 our different backgrounds and our cultures, and and that matters. And that's kind of why we why we we are where we are today. What we have in common, what all the members of ACB have in common, is the fact that we are blind or visually impaired. That's first and foremost. That's what brings us together. All of these other things are emblematic of of society. And so... I go back and I look at this 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 thing from from a historical standpoint since I've I've been around here for a while, and 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 so the question is where are we today? Well, it it like the young folks of today, they think that where where we are today just happened, but it took a long time. It took those it took those ladies back in the nineties. It took some development during the early 2000s, you know, when when uh, Peggy and I started to to work together on MCAC, she was she became uh, chair of a, of MCAC, I guess, in 2003, I think, and and so we started then, and that was even before we got married, <laughs> but we started approaching. Uh, the president of ACB and trying to get 
a collaboration between uh, the board uh, and MCAC. We had a few people who would come and join our our midweek, or who would who would uh, come and and sort of check us out some of the meetings. So then we started uh, having the candidates come to uh, our luncheon, and 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 so that they could hear from us and see us. And so the, there's been a a development process for all those years. I was fortunate enough to serve on the board, fortunate enough to serve on the scholarship committee, uh and 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 then uh George Holiday came along and and we both served on the board. We were able to chair committees and serve on different committees, work on different projects and, and that took some 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 hard work and it took some some impetus on our part but but we we stuck ourselves out there and tried to work as hard as we could for the cause and the issues of the organization remember the the one thing we have in common is that being blind and visually impaired for the cause of bettering life for those of us who are blind and visually impaired Thank you. So we're point, almost made it. Oh, one more sentence. One more sentence. Oh. <laughs> we're at a point now where we can, we should be able to open up some new avenues for those who want to come along, who are willing to work for the cause of the organization. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. And I do want to say that I for one, appreciate the work that you and Peggy and Pam and all the people that came before us, many whom I don't even know their names. I appreciate their contributions. And it has, it has built a foundation, I believe. And I'm going to turn this over to Cheryl because she has a question as well. Yes. Um, so... I, I just want to say, um, sort of following on what's been said so far, because um, I'm going to ask a question about the future, and I'm going to turn it out first to our audience and then come back to our panelists to talk about that. But I want to say, so, you know, uh, as as uh, our panelists and have said, I mean, there are folks who took steps, sometimes small steps, sometimes big steps, that made changes in the organization that that gave African Americans, Black Americans, opportunities to participate and to contribute to the goals of ACV. Um, I want to cite a, a lot. Sometimes people talk about the need for data. We've just been talking in general, um, and I want to. I'd like to remind us that. Was it last year? Regina, you worked on this. So Regina, Sandra Sermons, and MCAC worked on a resolution which was accepted, which calls on ACB to start using data, right? So to, to use the information that we're asking people to submit on their membership profiles. I know it's optional. That's one. Um, but to also use that data to look at um, leadership. 
so that we can have some baseline number that talks about how many people of Af uh, uh, African Americans or how many people of color, how many women, um, LGBTQ folks are in leadership roles. So I think, you know, we're at a point um, where I hope we're never truly comfortable because I don't know that change comes when we're all really comfortable. Um, but I think we're at a point where we're starting to figure out how to take sort of aspirations and how to make them sort of tangible things that we can use to, to honor our, you know, the folks who've come before us and to start looking towards the future and moving the organization towards the future. So with that in mind, um, I have two questions, maybe three questions that I'd like to invite our um, audience to help us talk about. One is, well, sort of what would you like to have happen for the future? How do you see African-Americans contributing to their local chapters and to ACB? And then what do you think local chapters and ACB can do to reach out to include and to mentor African-Americans. Um, so, Melissa, um, could you remind us how sort of a protocol for raising your hand and non-muting? Yes, yes, ma'am, I certainly will. And you already have some raised hands, just so you know. Um, so I'm Melissa Hudson. And uh, I'm from Berrien, Washington, and I am your Zoom host for this evening. And welcome to those listening around the world on ACB Media 5. It's a pleasure to have you. So if you wish to participate on this call and um, answer Cheryl's questions, uh, to raise your hand on a PC, it is Alt-Y. On a Mac, it is Options-Y. On your, your uh, iPhone app, on the Zoom app, it's under the More button in the lower right-hand corner of your screen. Just double tap on that and then double tap on the raise hand feature. And on your old fashioned telephone, it is star nine. When I call on you, you're gonna need to unmute. And so to do that on your PC, it is alt A. On your Mac, it is command shift A. On your telephone, it is star six. And on your iPhone using the Zoom app, it is in the lower left hand corner. And I need to remind everybody that this call is being recorded for safety and security purposes. And you already have several raised hands, Cheryl. So the first person, and by the way, I as the host will lower your hand so you don't have to do it. So the first person is Sandra. Sandra, go ahead and unmute, please. Can you all hear me? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Excellent, thank you. Um, this has been a wonderful presentation and I am so very glad um, that you are having this sort of a, a dialogue. Um, it is so good to hear so many of you all. Um, I know <laughs> all of you guys, all of the panelists, great job. Um, I, th I would say that we have to meet people where we are. The reality is that ACB should reflect the diversity of America, since that is what 
um, who we are as people who are blind and visually impaired of color. And so we, we have to find ways, um, whether it's um, just having, say, local chapters, you could have uh, a movie night. This is Black History Month. And so you could um, have a movie night where you have an audio described um, movie like Fences, Hidden Figures, all of those eyes on the prize. Um, going out, doing things like, okay, the get up and get moving. Um, well, we have the, the highest number of, of cases of diabetes. So surely we could, we could uh, have some sort of initiative around that. Just meeting folks where they are and making ACB more appealing through mentorships, through other kinds of programming, um, having um, more chapters in urban communities. I know in Maryland, we have um, national area capital, national capital area chapter, but it's in Silver Spring. It's not in um, Prince George's County. So having, having chapters in more urban populations where you're more likely to draw uh, more people of color um, to the organization. And, and it really helps if, even though we're blind, we still know we want to see ourselves. You know, when we, when we participate in ACB, we want to see people who look like us. When I come to the exhibit hall, um, I want to see more vendors who look like me. When I, when I purchase a, a movie, an audio described movie, particularly um, if it happens to be an African-American movie, I, I want the cultural sensitivity norms around that so that the describer understands um, the sort of cultural issues. And, and it's sensitive to that. You know, how can we find more African-American describers? How can we find more, you know, we're people first, we are blind and visually impaired, but we, we have to find ways of just meeting on common ground because this, this is a struggle and it's far too important and it's gone on far too long where unfortunately ACB, most of ACB does not look like me. And I, I, I have a problem with that because I know that we have a disproportionate number of folks who are blind and visually impaired throughout my community. And yet that is not reflected in the membership of my local chapter or of, of ACB as a whole. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. All right, you have several more raised hands. Are you ready to take them now? Yes, please. Yes, ma'am. All right. Next, we have Linda Yaks. Go ahead, Linda, and unmute, please. I am, I think. You are. So I want to I want to start by just telling all of you that I I have no nothing against anyone of color and so many times things i say are misunderstood so let's work through this a little bit i have a question for you i would like to know so some of the people that that for example michael mentioned i had no idea they were people of color i really did not know and um you know in, in the in the way i was raised it didn't matter and so i struggle with this. So what I'd like to ask you guys is, would you rather, are you, would you be more comfortable, okay, that I knew that you were of color, 
than for me just to treat you like I would anyone else? Would you feel that I would um, understand you better, for example, if you if you told me what your uh, nationality was? Um, do, do you guys understand where I'm going with this? It's, I'm really uncomfortable because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Can can I can I try to answer that? Sure. Yes, go ahead, Regina. Um, Linda, I think that what what most people want, people of color or even people who are white, is they want you to, yes, know their culture and their ethnicity, and then, yes, treat them like you would anyone else. So it's both. They're not they're not either or do you see it's it's just like you would like someone to know that i i guess you'd identify as female male yes mm -hmm. yeah and you wouldn't want that you wouldn't want to be just seen as something just you know well it doesn't matter because it does matter to you and so identity matters and I think we don't have to be afraid to know each other. And that's, that's, the, I don't want to, you know, go too much down this road because we want to stick with how to build this foundation. Right. But well, yeah. And that's part of what I, I mean, that's why, part of why I asked is I want to build the foundation. Can I ask one more quick question? So we've talked a lot about, I mean, I realize this is Black History Month, and so we're talking a lot about, about particularly Black people. But I know one of the things I'm uncomfortable with the word African-American sometimes is because there are Black people from many other countries that aren't part of Africa. And those people fit in just like the rest of you do. They, they're part of the Black population. And and of course, on the Multicultural Affairs Committee, you know, we also, of course, are are welcoming people of any um, culture, whether they're Hispanic or Asian or whatever. I want. I feel like we all need to be accepted, not just some of us, and not just the whites, not just the blacks, not just the browns. Do you know where I'm going with this? And so, um, what I hope for ICB is there is a time when we can we can honor each other's differences. But we can see each other as people first and not not anything else. I, I, I just and I guess that's kind of where I come from. You're people to me. I don't I don't care what color you are unless you and I have an issue that you need to resolve with me because I don't understand where you're coming from. So uh, I hope I haven't messed that all up and had anybody's feelings get hurt because that's the last thing in the world I would ever want. Well, these conversations aren't always comfortable. Does someone want to deal with the African-American and the name and all that on the panel? Um, this is Cachet. Go ahead. And thank, thank you, Linda, for uh, sharing your comment. Um, I will say for me, I, uh, I'm not easily offended when it comes to, to, to many things. And I think for the most part, most people of color, Black Americans, African Americans are generally not offended um, because people are just wanting to know, you know, want to know us or whether they want to treat us the same. I think where the uh, 
disparagement comes in is when you don't recognize the value that I am, meaning um, to say that you don't um, you don't see color to some people of color can be offensive because if you don't because we're people first, but you have to recognize that black is who we are. We can't change that. And I think a lot of the conversations um, that can make for progression and just be uh, more engaging is if people understood that we're not asking anyone to accept us or not accept us. It's recognizing that black is who we are. It's a part of who we are. We can't change that. And it's just like walking into a room, whether whether uh, something is said or whether it's not said, there are certain stereotypes that come with be, with us as being black people. And that could be name, that could be uh, a style of dress, that could be a pers- persona. Because if a person walks in the room and their name is Jennifer, you, you may not know. But if I walk in the room, and again, my name is Cache, that's very unique. I'm stereotyped. I'm looked at a certain way because certain things come with a certain connotation. And I, 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 like I said, I don't think people take offense to it. Again, it's just recognizing that every person has value. And I think at the end of the day, no matter what, what, what race or ethnicity you are, everybody wants to be valued. And nice. I use the example that uh, I love to use it with children when I'm teaching them. When we go to the store and we purchase items, say you purchase a box of crayons, nobody's going in and taking out the black crayon as if it doesn't have value. It's a oh. part of the whole. It's a part of the whole. So it has values. Right. Thank you. So thank you for sharing that because that really does help. I, you know, I do value all of you for who you are and uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you kind of explained that to me because that helps me to understand. So, and, and I will say to you as, as a white woman, if I ever hurt any of your feelings, I hope you would come directly to me and we would be able to work through that. And I think that's what we need to be able to do is to go to each other and say, I mean, you know, I, I get my feelings hurt sometimes by things too. So I understand where you're coming from and it's stereotyping as a blind person. I've lived with that my whole life too. So I, I understand to a degree what, you know, what you're saying there. So, but thank you for answering my question. And you're quite welcome. Thank you guys. This has been a great call and I appreciate it. And I know many of you and like many of you very much. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, Linda. Just so you know, you have you have a uh, four raised hands at this point. Okay. So next we have Lisa Sled. Go ahead and unmute, please. Good evening. Fabulous, fabulous call. Hi, Lisa. <clears throat> Very informative. Hi. Um, I really agree with everything that has been said. I am new to ACB. I've been a member for a year, so I guess I'm the newbie here. Um, I recently joined MCAC because when I first lost my sight three years ago, I looked around, there was nothing. 
and especially nothing for African-American. And as Cache said, there's a lot of us in the community that are blind. I didn't know any before my incident happened. I didn't know how to reach out. I didn't know anything. And being in, in my sighted life, I was in the UAW. I was vice president of my local, you know, so I know how to gel and how to mesh well with others. But I, too, then had to face uh, a lot of racism. When I ran for vice president, they did horrible things to me. I ran, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and my plant was in Warren, Michigan. And uh, it was said there that Warren was pretty prejudiced. And the plant was a pretty old school plant and it didn't have any new hires for a long time. And we ended up transferring to the plant when a lot of people retired. And the first, within the second year that I was there, I was running for vice president. And I guess they thought, who the heck does she think she is coming in here and doing it? But guess what? I ran and I won. You know what I'm saying? And I just say that it was hard. <clears throat> but now, being this way that I am now, being in my blind life, I want to give back. I want to see more. Because when I first got introduced to ACB, yeah, it was like I looked around and I didn't see anybody like me. I didn't know who to identify. I didn't know who was like me. You know what I'm saying? So, Linda, it is important to know. And it's great that you're here and that you're reaching out because that's the first start. So thank you. Okay, you ready for the next one? Uh Cheryl or Regina, are you guys there? It got really quiet. Yes, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. They're so fine. Don't worry. Um, okay. So you've got um a few other raised hands here. Yes, let's take <laughs> okay, them all keep, in. Keep going. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yes. very good. Okay, very good. All right. Um Alyssa, uh, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, this is still Lisa. Yes, I, I forgot to uh, put something in there. Pam, I really need to get in touch with you because I need to help. I need your help for me to push this further. Very good. Well, just remember that you can contact Cindy at community at acb.org, and I'm sure that she could well, Pam uh, put and you I in are touch both with on me. the MCAC committee. So I oh, wonderful. Just... Oh, wonderful. Okay. Very good. I'm Damn just it. plugging well, it in. I just Sorry, let me just do a little side note here. Go ahead. I sent you both an email introduction yes, you to did. each other. Yes, <laughs> yes you okay. did. Thank you. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'm just letting her know I'm reaching out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. Um, so... Kenneth Simeon Sr., go ahead and unmute, please, sir. Hello, Kenneth. President of Texas. No, no, former president. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but, hey, that relates right in, uh, takes me right into what I was going to say. Uh, I have a lot to say, and I'm, but I'm, I know I have to minimize it. But, hey, I'm grateful to be here tonight and glad that you are doing what you're doing. Uh, there was another uh, the leadership training I really wanted to be a part of, so I kind of tuned in to it every once in a while. And I heard something that was said that really I want to bring up uh, just a, a comment. One lady was asking a question. If you are in a chapter or affiliate and you ask 
to, they said he needs somebody to serve in his capacity. Uh, and so you run up to say, yes, I'll do it. Uh, and they tell you, uh, no, we've already filled that position. And you, they just asked the question right before you went up. This happened to me. It happened to me. Uh, and I was really, after losing my sight uh, 20 years ago this year, I really didn't know what I would do, how to live this way. So I joined uh, a chapter just to begin to meet other people who are blind and know uh, I needed help and in order for me to move forward. I was, I was stuck for a while. I didn't want to accept vision loss. And I also lost hearing back then as well. But uh, I was the same thing I just heard. It happened to me multiple times. And, uh, you know, but I didn't stop there. I kept learning and wanting to grow. Um, and uh, one thing I do say within leadership, I've noticed around the nation from chapter to the state affiliate level, uh, we have had a number of us uh, who are considered black or African, African-American. I'm not picky about a title, okay, because I know who I am. So I'll, go, I'll, I'll answer to any of those. But um, I see that we've uh, began to uh, have opportunities, more opportunities to serve. It play, it's, it's more than one thing that happens. It's not just about the organization always, but there are some times when you uh, are not valued and you're not given that opportunity. And so you have to keep trying. And what I've noticed though, a number of us are beginning to serve more because some of those other folks who were serving are oh, have gotten older, they're not serving anymore. Those doors are opening up for more of us to serve. And that's kind of sad that it came this way, but I watched it happen in Texas. And I, I was the first African-American president in Texas elected in 2012. And there was questions in my mind as to whether I would be uh, viewed as good enough. Uh, but a number of people didn't really know all uh, that I have been through and what I've done in my life. Uh, and some people judge you without even knowing who you are. They don't get to know you. They do look at you, uh, you know, as just by the color of your skin at times. But sometimes we don't even they don't even know, like uh, Linda said earlier. Uh, a guy I served with on the membership, ACB membership committee years ago. For years, I never, we talked by phone for hours, never ever knew he was a black guy until he called me to ask me, encourage me to serve on the ACB board, you know. And he's George Holiday. George Holiday encouraged me from the first convention I went to uh, as a DCAM first timer in 2010. And uh, uh, so, that, that was a neat thing to even find out about him. But I tell you what, we had a great conversation every time we meet, would meet up. It didn't matter about the color of our skin, but it was just interesting to find that out. But one thing I do want everybody to kind of hear a little bit of is that some people are asking, are expecting ACB to just start pulling people in. And that's a good thing. We do have to make sure we have mentoring in place. And we all should, every leader should be mentoring, having mentoring on their mind every day. Everybody to communicate with really in some way they can uh, shed some light or even insight uh, to help somebody to move forward. But it's really up to us to begin to learn and grow. Uh, we're not going to be able to serve well if we don't know about the organization and what we can step into. And uh, so because uh, I had to do a lot of things on my own, a lot of people that even knew of my abilities, didn't, didn't really try to open the door for me to serve. But a former president of ACB of Texas really did open that door for me. She saw, she heard about what I had done before, before I even came to the organization. Uh, and she opened the door and she remembered everything I said and really did whatever she could to get me involved in various ways. And I ended up being able to serve right after her as president and honored to do that and have uh, started my own chapter doing that for some years now. 
And it's just a great thing when we begin to just take some responsibility on learn, be prepared for leadership. Uh, ACV can't make you that leader you need to be from the beginning. We have to start doing some things on our own. I encourage everybody, as I always uh, say, I, I came up with a document, 15 Ways to Maximize Your ACV Membership, uh, way back in 2010. I always like to share that. I updated it in 2020, and uh, I'm always willing to share it because it talks about um, being inquisitive, number one, asking questions. And a lot of times, uh, if you don't ask, you don't know. A lot of things I found out I had to read. I had to go on each uh, uh, ACB's website, my ACB of Texas website, read all about the organization when people weren't telling me things. I had to start asking questions. So that document really opens the door for someone not to uh, just exist in the organization, but find a way that you can serve and find that, that open door. And uh, that's what I did. I asked questions and I want to be on a membership committee. How can I do that? Uh, but sometimes if we sit back and wait for somebody to ask, because they may not. Uh, and because I experienced that a whole lot where people knew my abilities, but they did not try to open that door for me to serve. So I'm grateful to be able to serve now. And I'm uh, in a place now as chair of the Dura K. McDaniel Fund Committee to encourage other people to begin to build uh, from a foundation, learn more, learn as, as much as you can about the organization. Then you can better serve as you uh, climb that ladder Start, start at a place where you know it's going to be easier for you to gain some insight and grow from there. And I'm always willing to help uh, and have a great conversation with anyone about serving, serving well. Thank you all. Thank you, Kenneth. And just so you know, you have, you have, you've got two more raised hands. Oh, yes. Please, I, I do want to just, uh, this cache, sorry. Oh, I just wanted to piggyback off of Kenneth, uh, he makes some great points and um, definitely uh, doing your research. And one, one thing that I would like to add is um, learn how to just persevere. Uh, like I said, do your research, learn, learn where you want to go. And uh, what something that most people don't know is that um, last year I applied for the JP. Uh, J.P. Uh, Maury and Chase uh, Award, and I didn't get it. And I know that I'm a great leader. And that's one thing that I started with. I started with the fact that I knew I was a great leader. I've been a great leader. So you have to have you have to kind of know your own um, abilities. You have to know what you you have to know the value that you bring to the table. Don't look for someone to say that, oh, you can do this or uh, you will be good here. You have to know what you have. What you don't have to know. You have to know what value you bring to the table, what you have to offer. And so I applied because it was something that I sought to aspire to and I didn't get it. And I said, you know what? I kept on researching and think, you know, one thing led to this and, you know, a couple of things happened along the way. And I saw the board of publications. I did my research. I, um, I'm a woman of faith. I also prayed about it. And I made the decision to campaign for that. Not because someone encouraged me, but because I looked at this as something that, you know what, I think I can do this. And I had a great support 
for in my corner for people who were supporting me. And I think as people of color, as we're coming in, especially new new people coming in, in your in that onboarding process, we got to learn how to be more uh, welcoming and and embrace people and engage them, and not just try to figure out where you think they should belong or where you think they will be good at. I think if we just come in and, and just be our true selves and be welcoming and inviting, and the more they get to be a part of ACB or your affiliate or your special interest affiliate or your committee, then they learn on their own where they can excel. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, Melissa, do we have any more hands? Yes, ma'am, we have two. <clears throat> and it is now just so you know, it's um, 10.08 p.m. And how long was this supposed to go? I couldn't remember what you told me. Uh, it's 10.30. I think 30, okay. We're okay. We're good. Okay. I yeah. forgot the time. <laughs> okay. Um, so area code 215 ending in 759. Could you unmute yourself and please identify yourself? Thank you. Can you hear me okay, Melissa? Yes, ma'am. Is that Pam Shaw? It is she. Hello. <laughs> good hello, evening, hello. everybody. Good evening. Wow, it is so wonderful to be here, and I, I feel very old tonight because when I look back at when we all started a lot of this, believe it or not, it was about 40 years ago. So I commend you for still keeping the dream alive. I know I'm taking that from Martin Luther King, but it's the truth. And one of the things that he said that I think is so important, he said that we may sail in different ships but we're all in the same boat. And I think sometimes we try to put everybody in the boat, forgetting that people, we're individuals, we have different experiences, we have different dreams, but it's the extent to which we can bring them together. One thing, and I've heard some of this tonight, but I think I'd just like to say it real quickly again, we have to remember people first. Even before we get to ACB, we have to remember people first. And I've been very blessed to be able to travel around the country and the world, frankly, representing ACB. And I found that the greater my focus was on people, the better it was. And the other thing that I had to do was I had to learn to listen, to not put people in that peg or in that square that I thought they should be in, but to know who they are. I'm still meeting blind people who don't have adequate housing or their utilities are being shut off. So we have some work to do. And I think that work as we continue is going to involve having some difficult conversations, but I know that we can do it. So again, I just want to commend you. Thank all of you. Um, the various committees that have been involved in this and the individuals. A lot of you I know very, very personally, and you know that I love you and how very, very proud I am to be associated with you. Thank you, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, friend. All right, we have... We have two more raised hands because we just had a third person that raised their hand. <laughs> okay. So, Melody, go ahead and unmute, please. Hi, thank you so much. Um, yes, I am a white ally and proud of it. And thanks for hosting, Melissa. 
Um, I would love to see ACB advocacy and steering and information referral and peer support or, you know, the whole of ACB in general, try to reach out to Ebony and Essence and some of the um, black geared magazines, um, getting those in accessible formats. My local radio reading service has um, a program that's weekly called From the Black Perspective and they read those and I listen. I love them. Um, Also, the NAACP, I'm considering joining my local chapter, and I hope they're okay with, with someone like me doing that. Um, I am a card-carrying member of the ACLU, and I, I take action as far as with all minorities. Um, and also, and I don't know, I know that advocacy can't take care of local situations. I've got one of them. It's tricky. Um, police forces and understanding, and because Black people are, you automatically have to be so careful, and I'm sorry, but because, and I have had my own adverse experiences with the police because of severe, persistent mental illness, um, we have to identify who they are and reach for their arms. And we have the canes and the dogs, and we've got those for a reason. So automatically, if something were to happen, and I really would love to see more um, work in those areas. And also, people with multiple disabilities and conditions who are also Black and even prospective members or current members of BPI feeling comfortable within ACB or people who are not a part of ACB yet help there. Thank you. And I am super excited about this next person, our ACB president, Mr. Dan Spoon. Hello there, Dan. Go ahead and unmute. You're still muted, Dan. Go ahead and unmute. Don't forget you have to do the got it button. You may have to hit the got it button because we are recording, yes. And I forgot to mention that earlier. You read my mind, Cheryl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll come back to Dan. But for right now, let's go to Jacqueline. Go ahead, ma'am, and unmute. Okay, thank you so very much. This has been a very stimulating conversation. I would like to know how I could get a copy of the document that Kenneth, the gentleman from Texas, said that he developed. Um, I, we can send it to you. Um, thank you. That's the yes. answer I wanted. Yes. <laughs> thank no, if, you. If you reach out to Cindy and yeah, ask I, her to, to just get in touch. Or actually, yeah, I actually Regina, have, do you the I okay, have the document. I have the document. I will send it to you, Jacqueline. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Very good. Um, okay, Dan Spoon, um, go ahead and unmute. Hopefully you can hear me. You may have to leave the meeting and then come back in if you haven't, or just alt-tab to that got it button. Um, he's the last hand that's up. Oh, he just left the meeting, so hopefully he'll come back in. <laughs> um, so just Go ahead, I guess, with what you were going to do next. If Dan does come back and has his hand raised, I may have to interrupt you. So, well, yes, we'll we'll accept the interruption. So, I was okay. going to. Um, in so, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who's spoken. You have shared some really thought-provoking ideas, um, and I think um, provided us with, um, you know, tangible suggestions and sort of next activities, next steps that we need to consider. Um, and, and not just sort of ACB national, but ACB, you know, as we think about our state affiliates and local chapters. So and I'm going to stop I, there. 
I have been taking notes, Cheryl. And Dan Spoon just rejoined us and he just raised his hand. Okay, go ahead, Dan. (laughs) Mr. President, go ahead and unmute. All right. There you are. Hello. Hello, everybody. Apologize for being late. We were, I had to do a um, special interest affiliate circle, but I just uh, wanted to say I'm uh, excited to be able to participate in part of the meeting this evening. And uh, I'm listening. And the word I think we have to continue to remember is we've got to be intentional. And I think that's important if you're going to change the dynamics within an organization. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Mr. President. Good to have you with us. Happy to be here. All right. And that was the last hand. And just so you know, you have, it is 16 minutes past the hour. Okay. We're, we're in a good spot. So right. as I was saying, we really appreciate everybody's um, sharing and, and trust. We will listen and we will, you know, look at the information you shared. We really appreciate this. So as we're drawing to a close, I want to turn it back to our panelists and to invite you to share any sort of final thoughts you might have in um, two minutes for for, uh, for each person. Um, why don't we start with Cachet? Oh, there we go. There you Sorry. are. I was, couldn't, I was trying to meet. Um, I would say in closing um, that as we move forward, Be open to continually growing, continually take advantage of every opportunity. And sometimes if the door is not open, you have to kind of open it yourself. Also, um, one thing that I I, I love Maya Angelou and one thing that she learned at a very early age, and I take that with me when I go. And I, I, I almost feel like I say it every day that when you get, you give. And when you learn, you teach. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Stephanie? Well, again, thank you for the opportunity to um, be a part of the panel tonight. And uh, it was absolutely um, very uh, engaging dialogue. And so what I would like to encourage, um, you know, to outreach to African-American um, would be members and new members like Lisa. Um, what would what would it take to, um, you know, what what do I see the future as? Is I see it as this organization again, um, really continuing to strive to its to improve its welcoming spirit. And um, again, I know we we're not where we want to be, but we're further than we were. And so I want to see engagement. I want to see true, honest, uh, welcoming spirit. Uh, I want to see us um, uh, outreach in new and different ways to this community. And I know this is Black History Month and the topic tonight happens to be Black Americans, African Americans. Um, But of course, we want to outreach to others. But because this is tonight's question and panel, Um, I want to say that outreaching to our community across this country means thinking outside of the box. And while I I know that's going to take more conversation than tonight, um, I think one simple way to do it is 
um, look around for those of us and our allies, look around and see who is in your circle, your network, and uh, individuals with blindness who are um, Black Americans, and simply start a conversation with them. Um, that's one starting point, and there are others. And uh, I would look forward to Kenneth, uh, his uh, 15 ways to um, forgive me for not remembering the full title there, if you're still on the line, Kenneth. But the, the document sounds very um, interesting and a, a good starter to um, help us to connect with people. So um, again, I would say recruit and engage. Those are my final thoughts. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie. You're welcome. Um, let's see, Pam and then Michael. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I'm muted. No, we but, can hear um, you. Okay. Um, I've listened to everything that has been said this evening. And to me, the one important thing that always stands out to me is mentorship, is, is teaching and leading and gathering together and, and teaching each other what it means to be, um, what it means to be a black woman or black man, what it means to be a blind, in the blind or visually impaired individual, what it means to be a person in this country, in this world. Um, for me, mentoring is, is very important and understanding why and who we are as, as history, let me put it this way, history is very important to me. And we can't change what happened yesterday, but we sure can try to get people to understand what we can bring to ACB or, and, and our local affiliates um, we're people first, but we're still black people first, too. And we are different. The color of our skin makes us different. Um, it, it, it puts us there. So acceptance, teaching, understanding, and, and just being with each other is, is a way of mentoring each other. And I think as long as we remember to engage with each other and listen, 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 to each other, we can grow. We can grow as an as a um, organization, and even in our local chapters. I was sitting here thinking about my own chapter, Greater Los Angeles chapter. Now we cover a lot of area in Los Angeles, and I think in my chapter I may be two, three people of color in my own chapter, and that's sad. But then again, we have six chapters in the greater Los Angeles area, too. So I just think we need to engage, listen. Listening is very important. Listen and communicate with each other. And I think this affiliate and, and this organization will continue to, and I want that document to Regina, grow. Okay. See, I got everything in it one time. Mm -hmm. You made it. Thank you. Thanks, Pam. Michael? So, as we look toward the future, I think several things that I'd like to see us to do. To see us do. Uh, ACB is a, and, and this has been said before. This is not original. ACB is a microcosm of our society. 
And I don't see the society going in the right direction. But ACB doesn't have to go that, that, that way. I'd like to see us come together. I'd like to see uh, more black people become involved, serve, prepare yourselves, do the things just like uh, Cache and Stephanie have done. They've come in, they've learned some things, they've they've challenged themselves, and are moving up in the organization to make a difference. And I think those things are important. But as I said, ACB is a microcosm of society. And we are, we have some some differences, but we don't have to be, and we don't have to go in, into the direction that society is going. So that means, as 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 has been said, we have to have some conversations. We have to we have to come together in a in in an intentional way, as Dan said. So. We talk about loving each other as a way of getting better. Love is great. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a lot of things. But in order for us to do that, we have to be willing to look at truth. Don't tell me that you love me and you're not willing to see things as they are. Don't tell me you love me if you're not willing to look at the truth. Don't tell me you love me and you're not willing to talk to me openly and honestly. We have got to displace hate, harassment, and hurt and embrace humility, harmony, and hope. Wow. Thank you, Michael. I, I'm not sure we can top that, <laughs> because I think that's, <laughs> that sort of is reflective of many of our, uh, of, of our sentiments. Um, but I, I, we, we had planned, I know Regina wanted to say some final words. And I wanted to I I know I can't top that, but then he's a reverend, so <laughs> what? And um, I just want to say that I'm honored to be part of this conversation. As Michael said, they're not always comfortable conversations, but I too believe we don't have to go in a negative direction in this country or in ACB. And so I I continue to believe that there are more good people in this world and in ACB than anything. And I just think good people need to be willing to take that risk and have the hard conversations and move us to where we need to be. And I agree with you, Michael. You can't love somebody and then not acknowledge truth. And you can't love somebody if you don't acknowledge their whole person, who they are, all of them. And, and that doesn't 
you know, preclude who you are. You can honor your own cultural background and value other people as well and their place in history. Because I do want to say this, it's a cliche, but Black history is American history. It's all one piece. It's all one cloth. And we can't just uh, cut it out for one month and say we're not going to deal with it the rest of the year. (laughs) Very true. So I just want to say thank you to everybody. Um, I I echo so many of the sentiments that have been shared here tonight. Um, And I I really want to emphasize one particular thing that Michael said. Um, I, I truly believe that ACB can and and has the potential to do better. And by that I mean, in as much as we are a microcosm of our greater society, I think if we do what one of the words that Dan likes to use, if we're intentional and really focus on this issue and really put our, like, you know, persevere, I think Kesha used that word and Kenneth used that word, I think this is we we can we can make a difference. We can be different. We can do better. So that's my sort of ending word for tonight. I want us to commit to doing better, and everything that that might entail. So thank you so much to my co-facilitator Regina, to the panelists, and to our hosts, and to everybody who took the time to come and participate in this conversation. We deeply, deeply appreciate you.